A reading from the Tao Te Ching, verse number seven. (laughs) The Tao is infinite, eternal. Why is it eternal? It was never born. Thus, it can never die. Why is it infinite? It has no desires for itself. Thus, it is present for all beings. The master stays behind. That is why she is ahead. She is detached from all things. That is why she is one with them. Because she has let go of herself, she is perfectly fulfilled. Thanks, Andy. This today is the last in a series of four that we've been doing here on the perfection of all things. We had a couple of weeks off uh, for a rite of spring and also for Mother's Day last week. But just to recap a little bit about this series, uh, in the first week we looked at the dichotomy between the supposed you know, perfection of everything that's in spirituality. You know, when you talk in, in spiritual terms, you sort of get a sense that everything's really fine and perfect and great. But that often belies the chaotic way that we experience our lives. Things just happen to us that we don't think are perfect. And, you know, we get dramas and problems and health issues. All that sort of stuff goes on. You know, I mentioned how, you know, Perspective makes a difference to the way we see and feel about things. And in the second week, we looked at how we experience that perfection in our lives. We can experience that if we're able to forego the ravages of the mind. That a lot of the the chaos that we experience in our minds are reflections of what goes on in our actual lives. And so the ability to, to deal with the way that our mind is operating really enables us to, to get to still ourselves into a point of peace. And then the last week, I, I spoke about the nature of evil, and I suggested that the that, that evil actually is not a latent force uh, that's embedded in the cosmos, uh, that evil is, I think, a product of ignorance and wrong thinking based upon incorrect suppositions about the working of the world that it's really about wrong thinking based upon incorrect suppositions of the work in the world. And it's a product of pressure building up in the mind that has no outlet because it's based upon incorrect assumptions as to the way the world actually works. So having looked at all of that, and if you want to hear about that, uh, you can get the podcast just to catch up on, on those particular topics. And there's a red card at the back that will show you how to do that. I want to talk today about how we live with all of that. I mean, it's all great having, you know, the idea of it all, but how do you actually live through it? And I've called the topic today the perfection of all things. And how, I've called it, sorry, the realisation of perfection. And how do we live that realisation of perfection with the chaos that sometimes erupts in our lives? I liked that title, The Realisation of Perfection, because... 
the phrase itself is ambiguous. It implies, in the realization of perfection, it implies both realization in terms of things coming about, you know, in other words, perfection coming about, and also things understood, the realization of what perfection is. Perfection bring brought, being, being brought about, and also how we understand that. You know, to realize is to make something real. That's what it means. To realize is to make something real, to bring something into existence from the French word simply to make real. And I know it's a bit of word tricker in splitting hairs when you do look at me, but I think meanings are important. And when you look at the word perfect, realization of perfection, when you look at the word perfect, it comes from the Latin word perfectus, which actually means to complete. So perfection is about completion. When Shelley was doing the flowers, she rang me up and said, how can I do flowers on perfection? And I said, well, no. The fact of the matter is it's about completion. It's not about the absence of fault. So to perfect is to complete. It doesn't have the meaning here of there being no mistakes or no faults or no blemishes. To be imperfect is just to be incomplete. So the realization of perfection is therefore the bringing into existence of a state of completion. It's the bringing into existence of a state of completion, which I think gives us room to manoeuvre in the whole area of living in a world that is supposedly perfect from a spiritual perspective and yet far from perfect when we look at the way that our lives and the world works out. The idea that we're living in a process of completion gives us some room to manoeuvre. When we think about things being perfect, we think of that meaning that they are without fault or blemish. And as I said in the first talk, that we overcome the experience of our imperfection by going deep into ourselves, into our hearts, into that place of meditation where our souls connect with the divine. And when we reach there, there is a place that's beyond the mind. We reach a place in our hearts of no judgment. And again, you know, if you want to look at that, that whole area of meditation that takes you into a point of no judgment, where your mind is not the context, where your rational mind is not the context, where there is a place of peace there. That's what we're going to talk about at Developing Conscious on Thursday. A peace that's beyond understanding, where we simply be with perfection, with completion, without the mind telling us that things should or could be different and that they're far from perfect. There is a sense of totally being complete when you're in your soul, in your essence, and you're outside the continual whirring of the mind. But with the realisation of perfection being more about completion than the the absence of faults or blemishes, I think we can take it a stage further than, than just that peace in our hearts. And I think when we're living our daily lives, we have to be able to take it a stage further. We can see that the realization of perfection is really the work of completion. 
and we are all involved in the work of completion, that the struggle that we have between the supposed perfection of all things spiritually and the chaos of our lives is in fact resolved by the idea that our lives are actually a part of that work of completion. Each of us is a part of that work of completion and that the struggle we have is somehow a part of the evolution of everything towards that completion. We're, we're all of us individually a part of a huge work of completion. And we have to see our lives, I think, as part of that process. Although, you know, it can be very inconvenient when things don't go our way. But actually, even if things don't go our way, the whole idea of being part of a work of completion, I think is actually good news because it means that each one of us, each of our lives has meaning. Each of our lives has meaning in the problems that we face, that everything that happens to us, good or bad, is somehow connected to a greater move towards the completion of all things. And this, this idea goes back to an idea that we've spoken of before here, the idea that we're going to be talking about in this symposium in 2019, that, that the possibility that consciousness is in fact the prime mover of all evolution. That consciousness is the prime mover of all evolution. That, you know, the Big Bang 13.7 billion years ago was an act of consciousness manifesting as matter. You know, where that consciousness came from is a psalm, one of the psalms says, is too wonderful for all of us to understand. But we don't understand how that happened, but the Big Bang was an act of consciousness manifesting something. It manifested those rocks and those atoms, and they had the potential within them to realize our planet, to make real the earth and to make real life. And how do we know that, that it had the potential to do that? Because it did it. You know, we can look back and think, yes, it did have the potential within those rocks that flew out at the Big Bang to create all this. There was the potential within that. And not only did it realize the Earth, but it realized life. And ultimately, that consciousness that, that manifested at the Big Bang realized each of us. We are the end product of that making real. We are made real by that. And we're not only the end product, we are now part of that realizing process. Just as over eons the earth came about and life came about, we're now part of that realizing process. We are the end product so far of all that making real. And we are not only the end product, we are also a part of that realizing process, each of us. You know, we, each of us are conscious and each of us can self-reflect. And as a result, evolution, I'm suggesting, has moved into a new phase. And it's not just about bringing changes in physicality. It's about operating in the very area of the consciousness that each of us experience. We are now participating consciously in the evolution. Like a flower in a meadow... 
that seems just to be pretty, but when the bees come along and, the fl- and everything, the flower serves a purpose. And just like we seem we're random, each of us individually is serving a purpose in our lives. We're not just here just to be and do, you know, to take what we can from life and the earth, to have as much pleasure as we can possibly get. That's not the reason that we're here. We're here to move that consciousness, to move with that consciousness towards the completion of all things. And we get so cross when it doesn't go our way. You know, we want it to go so it's nice for us. You know, we stamp our feet, we bitch about the unfairness of it all. You know, why me? Why am I ill? Why is this going on to, you know, why have I lost my money? You know, we're worried about all of that. But as I said last week, you know, life is not about our agendas. It's about the agenda of the overall consciousness of life that brought us into being in the first place. It's not about our agendas. Because, you know, it's awful to say, but your life is not your life. Your life is not your life. As Khalil Gibran said, it belongs to life's longing for itself. Your life belongs and is a part of the overall life's longing for itself. And it doesn't care whether or not you personally are having a good time or not. <laughs> you know, that wonderful phrase, the, the, the universe has, is under no obligation to explain itself to you. You know, which again we might moan about if we don't realize that we are here for a reason. We're here. Yeah, I'm going to give you the purpose of your life now. All right? Yeah, I know you all came here to have the purpose, the purpose of your life now. It's going to happen today. At a young age, you're going to hear it. Write this down. The purpose of your life is to take the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune and use the energy within those situations as a way of not only transforming ourselves, but everything else that's around us. That is the purpose of your life. It is to take whatever life brings you and to use that energy to transform yourself through love and to transform all that's around you. It is the work we're given, each of us, in order to make our own unique contribution. Each of you has your own unique contribution to make. And so the very imperfection, as in the old phrase of it, the very imperfection of our lives, the incompleteness of our lives, even the faults of our lives, the chaos we experience is actually the work that we're being asked to do in order to assist in the process of evolution. It is what we're given. It is the material being realized in the spiritual. We have the spiritual and the material, and we use that to realize the material in the spiritual, which is what Paul said when he said, let your bodies become like living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He was actually talking about this 2,000 years ago. Let your body be as living sacrifices. Remember where the word sacrifice comes from. It comes from the Latin word sacre, which means sacred, and ficio, which means to make, to make sacred. So a sacrifice really means to make yourself holy. 
you actually use the circumstances in your life by responding in love to make yourself holy. And the very action in giving ourselves over to this process is the action of making ourselves holy. You know, Paul invites us to be a part of the process of evolution when he says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. It's all within you know, what Paul is saying. He's saying that the creation, we're part of that creative process. Our lives and our consciousness is a part of that groaning. But some of us do groan more than others. So the context that we have to see our lives in is a context where there is a latent perfection or completion that that exists within, in that deep spirit, and that we are a part of bringing into completion in the material world. James Finley says in his book about meditation, in meditative awareness, we realize that nothing is missing anywhere. In that place of stillness, we realize that nothing is missing anywhere. Our very life is manifesting the fullness of life itself. We're in the right place, even if it feels bad. We're manifesting the fullness of life itself. The reality of everything around us is manifesting the fullness of life itself. So there is a a fullness that we're participating in. And we're asked to consciously participate in it. There is essentially completion, a completion or perfection that we are a part of. And the living of life, the game of life, is to bring the material reality into that same state of perfection. That is the overall game of all life. Now, that completion or perfection that we're talking about is what's alluded to in Christian theology as the second coming. That is what it's about. You know, it is not Jesus coming down on a cloud. Folks, it isn't. It is the moment where all consciousness witnesses itself in both the spiritual and the material and goes, aha. It says, yes. It witnesses itself. And all of creation is complete at that moment. Now I see it. All creation says that at the same time. And in a flash, the game is over. When all creation witnesses itself as of one consciousness. All consciousness recognizes itself and there is nothing more to do. That is, that is where we're, we're headed. And actually, you can take that moment, the, you know, you can take this moment and all of that outside time. I know we're, we're really attached to time. You know, it's, it's sort of like important and you're all looking at your watches and you're, when's it going to go on and when's it going to stop? But actually, you know, this, it's outside time. You know, you can say that that, spirit, that that completion exists. The whole of evolution is being driven by something that is outside time, that by an idea that pre-existed consciousness and by an idea that will be completed. And we experience it as time because we're sort of going through it. But in fact, it is a moment at the beginning and a moment at the end that is all happening at the same time, and we're experiencing it all going through. There's this idea that it's not only the Big Bang goes bang and all stuff comes out, but also at the other end, at that, at that moment at the end, there is the thing that is drawing everything towards itself. So it is one whole. I love that idea of time, that in fact, you can look at the idea that, although we experience you know, ourselves walking through time, 
What about if we were still and all of time was just moving through us and we were that still point? That is the idea within all this, that, that the idea is, is moving and that actually it is all complete and moving towards itself. Now, did anyone watch just a, anyone watch a royal wedding yesterday? Hands up. Now, you probably didn't notice it, but Michael Curry, the Archbishop of, uh, 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 the Archbishop of America, mentioned T.R. de Chardin in the service. I mean, wasn't that amazing? Cynthia must have been so pleased. <laughs> For sure, he, of all the people he mentioned, he mentioned T.R. de Chardin. And this is T.R. de Chardin's idea. He describes that end point as the omega point. That's what he describes it as. And this idea of evolution of consciousness is fundamental to Tiard's way of thinking. He says, this is Tiard, he said that there is a fundamental energy, and this is what Michael Curry was talking about yesterday. There is a fundamental energy at the heart of evolution. He said that it has two dimensions, this fundamental energy. The energy within associated with an individual's consciousness and the energy without, which he associated with the tangential energy of love. And that's what, what Michael Curry was talking about, that the love driving everything. Tiard says there's two energies, consciousness and love together. Evolution is a process of deepening love and consciousness. That is, as love deepens, this is interesting, as love deepens, consciousness arises. And when he was talking yesterday about love being a driver, as love deepens, consciousness arises. Tiaz spoke of love as the very definition of existence. To be is to be with in such a way that I am is what I love. I am is what I love. And what I love shapes what I do. And what I do is what I become. I am is what I love. And what I love shapes what I do. And what I do shapes what I become. That is consciousness arriving, arising from love. And as these two processes, the inner and the outer, come together, we're being drawn towards the completion that I've been talking about. That is the process of life, of, of love bringing consciousness up. So the realization or the making real of completion is both the process that we are part of, as well as the understanding of what is happening. So the realization of perfection is the understanding of what is going on and us playing our part within that. That whatever happens, consciousness, this is interesting, whatever happens, consciousness will unfold inexorably towards a completed moment that is already happening. And that we just have to give up to that process. There is no fighting it. Which is the canonic way that Jesus came to teach. The emptying out of our will. You do that by emptying out of your will. Emptying out of our understanding. The service to the work of completion. Which is that famous passage in Philippians. He says that Jesus says, uh, Paul says that in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant in human likeness. That is our role, to take the nature of a servant to that process. And it ends up that being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And that's why it doesn't work to bitch about our circumstances. Because actually, it is in that process that we are doing that work. Our role in life is to bring the spiritual perfection that we have as our inheritance as a child of God, as a creation of the divine nature, and to work on creation as it impacts us with love. That idea we spoke about last year of emotional photosynthesis, of taking what life brings us and transforming it with love, even to death on the cross, even to those outcomes that we don't want, which is what Jesus was teaching and demonstrating. And the great news about it is that it means that each of us, however small or insignificant we think we are, has an inherent meaning in the universe. Each of us has a task. We're given our lives to work through the issues and problems that we face so as to do it on behalf of all creation. Last page. Each of us, in our little way, are making our contribution to bringing creation that little bit closer to perfection or the completion that's inevitable. And so our role in the realisation of perfection is to be aware of ourselves in the process. We have to be aware of ourselves within this process to know that our suffering means something and our contribution to life is life longing for itself. You know, that famous passage, when I was a child, when I didn't know these things, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I bitched like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away my childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. This is seeing face to face. This is that moment. Face to face is that that second coming moment. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. That is that moment. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Let's pray. And we're just so aware of just all those aspects where creation is groaning and the difficulty and problems. And we particularly think of all those affected by the shootings in Santa Fe. And all people affected by shootings, the schools and everywhere else. We hold this pain in our hearts. We pray for all those who are affected by circumstances beyond their control, either by weather, by despotism, by war, by prison, by health. People suffering, not knowing what to do. We hold them 
as they groan. We pray for our world leaders that that sense of love and the ability to see themselves within this process may enter into their hearts and may affect the way that they deal with each other. We pray for that burgeoning of love in the world. Pray for that being the driving force. As Michael Curry said, that poverty will be a thing of the past. And we pray for all those uh, in our community we know now that are suffering. Particularly pray for Patricia Hill, for Will Welsh, Barbara Orcutt, Sandy St. John, Bill Archer, Nathan Morse, Sophia Layton, Clacy McClanahan, for MJ Elisha, who's going into hospital, Perrin's dad this week, for Jasmine Mahogadan, for Don Hull's family, uh, who passed last week. We just pray for that whole family dealing with that. For Mike Van Savage, for Father Joseph Boyle, for Lee McCulkahy and for all those that we know in our hearts are suffering or having difficulty at the moment. I pray your blessing and healing power upon them. Amen.